The world has gone from good to bad to worse. Is anything ever going to get better? This is Bible Habits, Genesis 12, the beginning of the gospel. We're never told why God chose to make his promises to Abram. He lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, and other passages tell us that he worshipped other gods. There's nothing remarkable about Abram that we know of before his call. What is remarkable is that he answered the call in the first place. God says to Abram in verse 1, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God's command starts off broad but then narrows down. From country to kindred, yes, even your father's house. When God appeals to people to follow him, he tends to give them good reasons. To future generations of God's people, he will say, you can trust and follow me because of the exodus, because of the return from exile, because of the countless tragedies that I've saved my people from. But Abram doesn't have any of that history to evaluate before making his decision. God calls, and Abram answers. Abram is able to leave his homeland and his family because he trusts in the promises that God gives him. God promises Abraham three main things. He's going to give Abram the land that he shows him. He is going to make him into a great nation with a great name. And he will make Abraham a blessing so that all nations are blessed through him and his family. Notice how these promises correspond to the curses we read in Genesis 3. Woman was cursed with painful childbearing. But now Abram is going to have a son and his descendants will outnumber the stars. Man was cursed with painful labor and bringing forth food from the ground, but Abram's descendants are going to be in the promised land. Sin brought curses into the world, but God is going to bless all families through Abram. This is why Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 that this is the gospel being preached. Beginning with Abram, God is going to undo the effects of sin and death and bring blessings into the world. So even though Abram is called the father of faith, We see in the rest of the chapter that he's far from perfect. Immediately after receiving the promises and going to the promised land of Canaan, there's a famine. In verse 10, we read that Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And while he's down in Egypt, he's worried that he'll be in danger. In verse 11, when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. So God promises Abram the land of Canaan, but he runs away when there's a famine. God promises to make him into a great nation, but when he's scared, he offers up the wife he's supposed to have a child with to Pharaoh. God promises to make Abram a blessing, but because of Abram's faithlessness, We read in verse 17 that the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. God promised, but Abram is doubting. So will any of the families of the earth really be blessed through Abram? This is the tension that weaves its way through the life of Abram and most biblical characters. God promises to do good things through imperfect people. And even though we may doubt that Abram or anyone else is cut out for the job, God is the one working. God is the one bringing the blessings. Just as God brought order out of chaos in the beginning, we see him bring order and blessings out of the chaotic lives of his people. Our imperfections are no match for God's good word.